Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. I haven't been giving quite as many messages at this time because I am trying to quickly finish my book on life after death. I haven't given you the title of it yet, but um, that'll be coming out. However, this is a message to all that are hungry and thirsty for reality. I want you to be able to hear with your heart what God is saying to you today as an individual. And I want those that are gathered around Jesus Christ in assemblies, whether it's just one or two people or a large group of people, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the body of Christ at this very urgent hour of crisis in the world. And before I get into sharing, I do want to emphasize that I do have a website, two websites actually, one, ultimatemeaning.com, where for those that are new, you will find a flipbook. And in that flipbook, very original, writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that has many links that are in the print that is read that go to very profound and amazing videos. There's also links on that site to very good news sources that are not lying to you like the major news media is nowadays. Almost everything they say is a lie. It never used to be like that. But there's been an infiltration over the last 30 years by the Chinese Communist Party and globalists that also believe in a one-world communist government. And so we find everything has been bought off and paid off and the news media tells a bunch of lies all the time that aren't the truth. You certainly find that out very quickly when you go to these other news sources that are on my website. And we are living in a time of mass genocide. The death rate um, of mortality rate has gone up by 40% and the vast majority of that is from those that have had three or more vaccinations and Ontario here in Canada, uh, in just a short period of time, I think it was in the last month, uh, well over, um, I think it is 25 doctors dropped dead from taking the vaccination, really. They won't tell you that, but that's the case. Um, it is very serious what is happening in the world at this time. I thought it was just, you know, so many... Now I hear it's over a thousand athletes that have dropped dead after taking these vaccinations. Many of them, it, when they do something strenuous, it causes a problem with their heart, you know, myocarditis, so on, blood clots, so on. So this is a message for a very urgent hour, just considering that one thing. And then there's the war going on with Russia and Ukraine, and there's the fact that the election was stolen and things are getting very tense in regards to that as the evidence has become very solid on that. We are living in momentous times. And this is just before the days of awe, which are the feasts of the Lord. And many major events often happen surrounding these feasts in the world. I want to share to you that have found 
the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love, who is the one true eternal God, who have come to know him who is, for whom to know is life eternal. I want to share with you what God is saying, and for those that have not come to know him, just check out my website at ultimatemeaning.com where you have that flipbook, okay? Now, I share these messages seeking to fulfill what it says in 1 Peter 4.11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And that is what I will seek to do in this message. Now, let me explain this from Revelations 19.10. It says, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, out of a pure heart and great reverence and love for God, we are filled with the Spirit in an in overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances that are coming from the Spirit of God beyond ourselves. It comes out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. And that is what I will seek to do, is to speak as the oracles of God, in other words, to speak prophetically, to seek to speak in a, so that it is not me speaking, but the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean I don't use my mind and my own volition. It means that I learn to speak out of worship so that the Spirit can flow out of me with those thoughts that are beyond myself and those words that are coming from Him. That is what we seek to do when we gather together as brothers and sisters. How little that is practiced even by pastors. It says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he find, cometh, shall find so doing. What? Ministering to the sheep their food in due season. That is what I am seeking to do here. And it is what the leadership in churches should always be doing, and yet they're not. They're not seeking to speak as the oracles of God. They're speaking prophetically. Many, many are in such a condition that they don't even have ears to hear what God is saying to them because of their heart and heart that loves the world. So one of the things I do to facilitate speaking as the oracles of God is to cast lots, to get the possibility of any chapter in the word of God. And so I cast lots with two independent random applications to get two chapters so that they would bear witness with each other as to the theme of what God would be saying. Sometimes the theme is very evident and strong. Other times one wonders how those chapters possibly fit together, but as one meditates, one discovers a theme. And such is the case of yesterday and today's, for I will probably share also on what I received yesterday, which I did not preach on. And so I want to share with you before I get into those chapters that I also cast lots to get a song. And today the song was very much uh, from the casting of lot from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns. And the song was right on. And I hope I didn't close the hymn book, so I did. Whoa. I was going to have it kept open so I could have read what that song was. I think it was in, it was in 600-something. And it was about uh, be at rest, about the soul being at rest. Now, the chances of me remembering that, 
I could look up the word B at rest, as I think that's how it started. So I'll look that up in the index here very quickly, if I can, from first lines. This is a hymn of uh, 1,080 hymns from throughout church history, and many of them also from the underground church in China, uh, which has some very rich uh, songs. Let's see. Be at rest. My soul was 654. And I'll just read the first um, and maybe second verses. It says, be at rest, my soul, O blessed secret of the true life that glorifies thy Lord. Not always doth the busiest soul best serve him, but he who resteth on his faithful word. Second verse, be, at, be all at rest, for rest is highest service. To the still heart God doth his secrets tell. Thus shalt thou learn to wait and watch and labor, strengthen to bear, since Christ in thee doth dwell. And it goes on, maybe the third verse. Be all at rest, for rest alone becometh the soul that casts on him its every care. Be all at rest, so shall thy life proclaim him, a God who worketh and who heareth prayer. Now, I didn't choose that one to sing because I couldn't find it in a YouTube video with words. All the songs I choose have to be very good songs that um, you'll find in my playlist at loverealize.com that you can listen to. Very rich songs, all that can be used on overhead projector by playing the YouTube video on the overhead projector. Or just to do on your own while you're doing things while I'm doing my workout, I turn those on and I can hear all these wonderful songs that have been chosen. Most of them, every time I choose, I have never heard before in my life. I don't know about most, maybe 50%. So anyhow, um, I'm going to now play a song that's similar to this song that I found on YouTube, which is, is the one that we will have for today.
that is the song and a beautiful song indeed to teach us the ways of Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when I say that word, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the King James Bible, it is the word Lord God. But in the Hebrew, the word Lord is often Yahweh, and the one after it, God, is usually Elohim, which means the Almighty's referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There can only be one true eternal God if he's in three personages because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which is beyond creation, which is beyond the time and space realm, as well as the Father seeing the end from the beginning and, of course, many other virtues and powers in that aspect of existence, but you must be in personage to rule over what other aspect of existence you are in, and then in creation as the Son, the word, Son is the word expression, and Jesus Christ is the full expression of the being of the Father in the creation realm to communicate with the creation and experience its limitations and communicate to the limited creature level as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit, the other ultimate aspect of existence is the omnipresence, that is the filling of all things. So God's Spirit does fill all of creation and all dimensions of time and space in creation and beyond creation with the Father. And so there's three personages, and if you weren't in those three personages simultaneously in those three ultimate aspects of existence, you would not be God. Nor if you were less than an ultimate trustworthiness that could be worthy of unlimited power, life, and authority without being corrupted by that or using it in a corrupt way. And the only quality that could be that is this love that is so integrous that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice that's independent even of feeling, which is the filial love. There's three words for love in the Bible. There's this highest form, agape, which I'm just talking about, that always chooses the highest lasting good. Filio, which involves the feeling of love and so on. And then eros, which is sexual. But God's love is so pure. And of course, to, choose all, to always choose the highest lasting good means that there would be no corruption in this love because any lesser choice would obviously mean there would be corruption in what is destructive. But this love is so pure that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. This is the holiness of God, the holiness of his love, from which springs even the most ultimate manifestation of this love, which is that God has such a quality of love within his being that he always had that capacity in his being from the infinite past to become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice. 
to suffer more than you, a mere creature, humble himself more than you, a mere creature, which he did in Jesus Christ on the cross. As a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice, he poured out his body in suffering unto death and his blood in suffering unto death for you. I want to share with you now um, what I received from the two passages of Scripture to give a message to the churches around the world in this hour, especially in the United States and Canada where I am. I want this message to go forth and be heard. And so today I received Isaiah 30 and Galatians 2. And um, I will read some of the verses from Isaiah 30. I haven't put any verses down from Galatians 2, but we can turn to it. I also want to mention that on August the 30th, which was yesterday, 2022, I received 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Samuel 23. And really, you would think there is no theme between that, but when I meditated, there was a theme. It amazes me how God can speak this way. When you have two chapters bearing witness with each other, they're taken by the casting of lot before the Lord. You know, people that have a problem with the casting of lots, well, you're just totally you have no basis for that because it was very much practiced in the Old Testament. Used by the early church to choose one of the apostles. Used by powerful movements of revival, such as the Moravians, even they chose their own wives that way. You must do it in great reverence and be walking in a close love relationship with God or else it would be divination and wrong. And so this is done in great reverence and so I do receive from the Lord the words that he is seeking to say to you as an individual and to the body of Christ. So we read here, first of all, in Isaiah 30, verse 7 to 8, For the Egyptians shall help in vain, and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. Our strength is to, be, is to sit still. God wants us to know that even forever and ever beyond this present world and our relationship with God. I'm reminded of Mary who sat still before the Lord at his feet to hear him teach. And Martha was saying, Mary, she's sitting at your feet and here I'm doing all the work to get you guys a meal and I want to, you know, tell Mary to help me. And the Lord said to Martha, Mary's chosen the better part. So Mary probably should have said, okay, Lord, I won't prepare the meal. Let's sit down and listen to you for a while, and then we'll all get up together and work. You see, God has his timing for things. But we go ahead of him. He wants us to learn to be still and know that he is God until we know that and hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Now, I want to continue to read here in Isaiah 30, beginning at verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. 
and ye would not. But said, No, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. You see, Israel was fearful. They weren't walking right with God, and they ignored the prophets, and they knew God's judgment was coming on them. And they were panicked to think they would be taken captive by their enemies, possibly tortured by them. God says their strength is to sit still, not to try to flee from them. What if the Russians or the Chinese communists invaded the land? Would you listen to God before you just take up and run? You see, God wants to teach us his ways, that we would always be walking with him. Because when we're walking in his presence, it brings his habitation around us of his presence. And that brings the protection of God far more than any protection that we would seek in the material realm. I want to continue to read here in Isaiah 30, 25 to 28. And there shall be upon every high mountain and upon every high hill rivers and streams of waters in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. This is speaking of the last days. When the Lord returns to the earth, there will be a great earthquake. And it says in Revelations and in different places in Isaiah, and this is one of them, and the, it says in Revelations, and the towers of the nations fell from this mighty earthquake. But wherever the righteous are congregated together, waiting on him in worship at that time, those towers will not fall upon them, or those buildings around them where they dwell will not fall. For the Lord's presence will be with them at that time. And they will worship him in the midst of great destruction that will come upon the earth as the Antichrist kingdom is destroyed. And this is also described in Isaiah 24 where it describes God's people at his return. Worshiping in the midst of the destruction and the fires, they are singing praise to him. And we continue to read here. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days, in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people, and healeth the stroke of their wound. Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from afar, burning with his anger, and the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue is a devouring fire and his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst of the neck to sift the nations with the seed of vanity, and there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people causing them to err. A bridle in the jaws of the people causing them to err. What is that bridle? It is statements that they will be given such and such if they submit to the mark of the beast. That's one of the bridles. And we know that the mark of the beast ensures their destruction. So if a person is a genuine Christian and gets the mark of the beast, they're no longer saved. Because they made a choice 
to bow down and worship the temporal things of this world that the devil put before them, and thus therein worship the devil. So yeah, you can lose your salvation. That's very clear from the church in Sardis. There the Lord says that whoever does not defile their garments, I will not blot out their name out of the book of life. When you defile your garments of righteousness, your name can be blotted out of the book of life because probably the church of Sardis, their garments were defiled because they couldn't join certain guilds to make money without doing some kind of confession that was a compromise of denying Christ. And so there is this bridle that can be put. But when we're still before God, we don't panic and fear. We don't have fear in us. The Word of God says that perfect love casts out fear. When you are filled with the presence of God, it swallows up any consciousness of loss, which is what the root of fear is. It is a consciousness of loss that motivates you to grasp after what will satisfy that, or that you think will fill up that void. God is calling us in this hour to learn a relationship with him that is a rest and a stillness in his presence where we can hear his voice. And this brings me to the two chapters I received the day before, which was 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Samuel 23. Now, I remember 1 Corinthians 11, what that was about, and I'm trying right now to just go back to what... 1 Samuel 23 was about. Yes, I remember it now. In 1 Samuel 23, the Lord, King David, is consulting the ephod to hear from God. Maybe I can just refresh myself by going quickly to 1 Samuel 23 in the Word of God. And so I will go there quickly right now to 1 Samuel chapter 23 just to remind myself exactly about what was going on there. It was about the Philistines attacking a town called Keilah. King David wasn't so quick to just go and save those people. He consulted the ephod, which was to consult um, something that was kind of like stones, that would reflect certain light and reveal what God's will was. And he did this with great reverence. And so he consulted this ephod twice. And both times the Lord said, go and fight for I will deliver them in your hands. And so he did. And there he met Jonathan again in secret, and they made a covenant again, besides the one they had made earlier. But this was just to ensure, Jonathan, to ensure that he was not for Saul, but for David. And I won't go into all of that. So that is what that chapter is about. And then we have 1 Corinthians 11. Now, 1 Corinthians 11 is about order in the body of Christ in assembly and discusses, for example, 
1 Corinthians 11, I'm turning to it while I'm talking here, and discusses, for example, about how women should be wearing something on their head, but how it's not an issue of contention or something that they demand, but that they suggest is better for a woman to be wearing a hat on their head. And um, it goes on. And it mentions the equality. It says, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of God. Now, in other words, he's not wanting to make it look like the woman is less than the man. So he mentions this after mentioning the importance of the women. Now, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Well, what does it have to do with King David consulting the ephod? It is this. It is the reverence. It is the right heart attitude before God. To be still in the presence of God involves reverence. You see, when you really love someone, they're precious to you. You don't just treat them in any common way and jump over them like some wild jaw dog trying to lick them. You treat them with great awe and love that is so reverent. And the understanding of a woman wearing the hat was that she is under the authority of the man, not because the man is greater than the woman, but because there is an order of things. And it says here that the woman was made for the man and not the man for the woman. But that's why Paul later on emphasizes, nevertheless, the woman is of the man and the man of the woman. Because he's not wanting and saying in that order that, oh, you're an inferior woman. No, there are great and powerful women of God that are prophetesses and so on and so forth. But what God is saying here is that there is the need for there to be a sensitivity and a reverence to one another. And in this wearing of the hat, it is showing a reverence before God of submission before him of the right order of things. And that's why it's saying and that the woman should cover her head also because of the angels. Because the angels also cover themselves with their wings before God, showing the reverence they have before God as they cover themselves, whether some of them don't have wings, others do, but they cover themselves and they bow in awe before God. And this is a sensitivity that brings stillness before God, that brings respect, that causes us to be in tune to the hearing the voice of God. And therefore to be directed by God as he desires us to in these last days too. And yes, it says it's a shame for a man to wear long hair, but not for a woman. And a woman looks very beautiful in long hair. And a man, I suppose, looked, tends to look more attractive if his hair is cut shorter. God is calling us to be those that are sensitive in these last days. And of course, the other thing that is discussed in here is the communion in First Corinthians, pardon me, and uh, yeah, First Corinthians 11. 
And of course, some of these people were treating the communion in a very irreverent way. They were bringing their own food and talking and getting drunk and so on, and then trying to have how totally insensitive and irreverent. This is something that is, that's why they were experiencing God's judgment that was smiting them with sickness, because they were not discerning who God was or through, who, who's, or who God was in one another. Others were coming that were poor and had no food. God wants us to have such reverence before him in these last days. He wants to restore the genuine fear of God. Now, the other chapter I received today, besides Isaiah 30, was Galatians 2, which is about the works of the law. And I have to admit, I did receive Ecclesiastes 11, and I suppose I could go there and wonder how in the world that fits. I don't know if I did, because I don't know if my mouse actually hit the button on that one because I've had that happen before, but Ecclesiastes 11 is about casting your bread on the water, and after many days you would receive it. It's about being diligent, and it does require diligence to be still before God. But I also did cast again, and I got Galatians 2, which is about not falling into the error of our own works which really is in relation to learning to be still before God. Because when we step out in presumption and we start to do things without asking the Lord, we are entering in to those tendencies to trust in our own sufficiency, which is in our own works. And by being still, we have strength because we learn not to trust in our own works. And this is what God is wanting to say to the body of Christ. Return to the genuine fear of God where you can learn to wait on me and trust on me instead of to fall into the deception of your own works and presumptions. That is the message he is giving today. So thank you for listening to this message. And at this time, I'm in a time of great financial need. I am going to be putting up my book soon, and I hope it becomes a bestseller. But please do support me, as I have a message. and It's in a book up there, which I haven't yet promoted. I really need to do that and get it selling as well, although I don't think it could ever be like the one in Life After Death. And it's titled God, Headship, and Body Invasion. And it's an extensive outlining that goes for almost... Well, I think 270 some odd pages. An extensive outline of everything you can do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of the body of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. In fact, I might start a nonprofit organization from the outline in this book, which is an outline that can be used as what can be used in a local assembly. It touches everything. It suggests the best times for meetings. Many suggest, I'm not saying you have to do it, but it is a new order that will not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly so that the presence and glory of God can come in fullness into your assembly and break the darkness over your city and your town like it did in the Welsh Revival, like it did in Azusa Street, except now you have a new wineskin to, con 
cause this glory not only to remain, but to enlarge as time goes on to the coming of Christ, so that you conquer all of you assemblies across the United States. You're a nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ and save it from the destruction that is obviously impending upon it at this time. God, have mercy on us that we would return to becoming his house of prayer and holiness as never before. So thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.